tonight I'd like to talk to everyone about um, something that I felt like the Lord's been speaking to me about this last few days. Um, and I spent a, spent a bunch of time just meditating on it, but I actually want to talk tonight about the benefits of those that trust in the Lord. The benefits of those that put their trust in God. This is a good thing. You know, it's interesting because I was just listening to the worship team and I was like, this is awesome. Because they're basically singing my message. Do you know that when Peter, Peter is such a classic, we, we often look at Peter as the guy that was the coward and the, the guy that had lack of unbelief and all that stuff. But actually he had more faith than all the other disciples because he's the guy that actually got out of the boat and they were still scared in the boat. You just read about Peter because he actually did something about it. But they saw Jesus out on the water look, walking like a ghost. And, you know, once they saw him, they, you know, Peter was like, Lord, if that's you, call me to come and I'll come. Okay, that looks like, actually, I talked a little bit about it last week, about our perspective and our walk with God. But that actually looks like us saying, God, is this you? God, is this you? God, am I supposed to do that thing? God, is that you speaking to me? Because Jesus looked like a ghost. They didn't fully understand at first it was totally him. But they, they saw a form. And so he called out and he said, Jesus, if that's you, call to me and, and, and come. And Jesus beckoned him. And you can just see eager beaver Peter jumping out of the boat. Just let, let me at him. Like, that's just like us, isn't it? We always start off with a boom and a roar. We just do. Like when, Once we figured out that something's God, we're in it, man. But we don't always understand the challenges that we'll face on the other side of the, bo of the boat. And so the thing is, is that while Peter was looking into the eyes of Jesus, he was trusting God. He knew the will of God. God had told him to come. He, he, God, he, he had had a God-said moment. Now, a lot of Christians have God-said moments, and I'm not always sure it's God-said. And that's why we actually need to make sure it's God-said and not I felt. Because there's actually a huge difference between God-said and I feel. That's why I'm trying to train myself because when God speaks sometimes to me and I really know it's him because normally if I open my mouth and, and I know Jeff's the same, I know Molly's the same too. Normally for, for me, if I open my mouth and, and I'm like God said, I've usually checked before I've opened my mouth three, four, five times with the Lord. I'm like, but sometimes I make the mistake of saying I feel like God's saying and it actually I shouldn't say that because there's a difference between I feel and God said. And I feel Christians are dangerous Christians. But Peter heard God, and God said to him, come. And Jesus, has, uh, Jesus said to him, come, it's me. Don't be afraid, come. So Peter is having a supernatural moment where he is actually defying the laws of the earth and living in the laws of heaven. He is walking tangibly on top of the water. Okay, he was the first surfer with Jesus. Think about that. He's walking on water. I would, I would, I mean, that's going to be awesome. I'm going to go and watch the vintage reels of heaven and just like, dude, Pete, that was awesome, dude. You didn't even have any corporate sponsors. <laughs> okay. But all of a sudden, Peter began to assess his environment. And when you assess your environment, you can no longer assess the eyes of your lover. You can only have, Jesus said, you can only serve two, one of two masters. You'll either love the one and hate the other or hate the one and, dis, sorry, love the other and despise that one. You can only serve one of the two. So while Peter was out of the boat, he's looking at Jesus in the eyes. He is amazed at what's happening. It wasn't that he wasn't looking at the water. Don't think for a second that he wasn't like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Don't, don't look, this is Peter we're talking about. It wasn't like a, oh. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't one of those moments. It was like Peter. Peter was the boisterous, excitable, hasty, flippant guy. He was like, this is amazing, Jesus. Whoa! It wasn't that he looked away physically. It's that he looked away emotionally. And he began to look at his circumstances and the minute he began to focus, it's not that he didn't know they weren't there. Peter, uh, uh, David said, yea, though I walk through the valley. Yeah. 
He knew where he was, it's just that he didn't give it his focus. It's fine to know where you are, but it's just really bad to give it your focus. You know, so I want to talk a little bit about this tonight because understanding the benefits of what happens when you put your trust in God changes everything. Some of you are going to raise from the dead tonight in Jesus' name. You guys are sitting there like, oh my God. It's that Peter began to value the threat of his environment more than the power in Jesus' eyes. And so the minute he did, his environment began to consume him. Literally began to consume him. And isn't it amazing that oftentimes we're praying the God help prayer when we're swallowing big mouthfuls of water and choking ourselves out. Peter was like neck deep in the water. I mean, don't think for a second it was like the stairway down. He was slowly going down. It was just like, donk. This is Peter. We paint pictures in our head. The minute you disengage, the spirit stops. It wasn't a gracious landing. He went, do you get what I'm saying? (laughs) I'll laugh for you. That's fine. I can just, I'm visualizing it. I'm seeing it. And he's like, save me, I'm drowning. And the next thing, Jesus, he's like, you know, it's one of those pictures like Lord of the Rings. He's like Frodo. He's falling into the water. And Jesus is over the top of him like, what's going wrong? And he reaches his hand down into the waves. And he takes Peter's hand and he pulls him back up. Those that put their trust in God are different than those that pay attention to their environment. Because if you only value your environment, you're going to be the nicest person when things are going well, and you're going to be a literal human nightmare when things are going wrong. Even your friends are going to avoid you. Just saying. Okay, so I've got five scriptures that we're going to work our way through, and we're going to talk about the benefits of those that put their trust in God. Okay? So come with me, please, to the book of Jeremiah. Chapter 17. Now, if those of you who are going to be taking notes, I've got some bullet points, and no, I'm not the charismatic preacher. I haven't actually counted how many bullet points I've got. Because the number of my bullet points isn't important. Trusting in God is important. Amen? Okay, so, Jeremiah chapter 17. I'm going to start, even if you're not there. Um, verse 5. Now, this is the beginning of the opposite of trusting what of, of trusting of not trusting God. So it's the opposite of trusting God and what it produces. Verse 5 says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. That's just a full-on introduction, isn't it? Thank you, Pastor Andrew, here with another negative message. I was really hoping you were going to be positive tonight. And you just open up with, Cursed is the man. And makes flesh his strength whose heart departs from the Lord. When you begin to make your abilities the point or the comfort of your, or the source of your comfort, or your provider, or, or your stability, you are actually covenanting with a curse. Think about that. When you begin to put more weight on trusting in a person. A doctor. See, now it's going to come home. Uh, A client. A boss. Your own talents. Your abilities. Your quote-unquote giftings. You're actually covenanting with a curse. Get this, guys. We want, we want real Christianity, right? Cursed is the man who trusts in man. This is the Bible. It's not Andrew Billings. Don't throw stones at me. You can have an argument with God. And makes flesh his strength. Flesh is this, my own ability. I'm strong and I can take care of myself. Or let me, let me change that up for you. I'm witty and I can intellectually articulate my way out of any situation. I'm socially connected. I've got followers on social media. Or here's another real good one. I've got lots of money. 
I, I did a lot of bodybuilding in my early 20s. And I can tell you for a fact, first-hand experience, that the most broken people in the world are the, some of the most ripped, cut, muscular, bodybuilding people you've ever met in your life. They have put their comfort and their trust and their physique over than who they are even as a person. They're terrified of who they are, so they have to put their trust in something. So it's, it's, it's not just necessarily, oh, it's that person that's, that's like uh, really mentally strong and they can like get through anything. Because like, here's the thing, some of us Christians, we go through storms and battles and we think the storm and the battle somehow validates our growth. But you never trusted God through your storm and the battle, so all you've got is more misery. And guess what? You've got another storm coming to learn the lesson that you never learned in the last storm. Because you were supposed to learn the lesson in the last storm, and because you didn't, God's like, well, 40 years in the desert, worked for a couple of people, everyone else died. Hopefully you've got a good percentage with this person. I'm serious. This is how it works. Cursed is the man who trusts... Don't worry, this is the only scripture that's going to be negative. (laughs) Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength or makes his assessment of his environment his strength. You know, I've walked in... I was talking to Jeff a little earlier today. I've got some clients, and I've had clients over the last... coming up 20 years of my career that are some of the richest people I've ever imagined existed. And you walk into their houses, and there's not one thing they don't have. Actually, they have things that I didn't even know you needed to have. They have things that I didn't even know you could have. They have more money than I've ever seen in one place in one time across my entire life. Okay? Those people are some of the most broken, and they put so much confidence in what they have. And if that was ever to be taken, all you see is a shell of a person. You don't really know who they really are. Okay, so so let's just carry on. Verse 6, For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes. Have you ever seen people that, I mean, I get to see it because of one of my roles, especially, you know, leadership here, you, 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 and, and with people over the last, you know, several years that I've been involved around church. Um, you see people and they're crying out begging, when's God going to help me? And then you watch a good thing come right in front of them and they totally don't even see it that it's God. And they keep begging as if like God's never come for them and you watch it float past them. It's because their confidence is in what other people can do for them rather than what God can do for them. And so they don't see when good comes. Verse 6. Uh, and then halfway through verse 6, directly after that. But shall inhabit, watch this, the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Some people, some of us, what, what happens is, is we stay in extended wildernesses and we think it's God testing us, but actually it's not God testing us. It's our own stupidity that hasn't connected the fact that we still trust man and not God. This is, a, this is the formula here. It tells you right why you're the, right there. Look, this is, the, this is, look, the first thing is like, this is God, this is what happened, you're cursed, right? Okay, right. And then it goes on to give you a geographical description of what's going to happen spiritually to you. You're going to look like a piece of shrub in a desert. Now, I've spent a lot of time in the outdoors in my life. Let me tell you what a shrub looks like in a desert. This is a dried out couple of pieces of sticks. Just blowing in the breeze. And then like one day in the year, like one drip comes down from the heavens to this little piece of like dried up pieces of shriveled wood and it's like, and then it disappears. And then it's like another whole year of dryness. You see, the thing is, is that if people refuse to put their trust in God because they're so afraid that if they take their trust away from man, they could lose everything, this is what their life looks like. They look like something that's had the life sucked out of them they don't understand when good things come to them. They just don't, totally don't get it, and it goes right past them, or they misuse it, or they mishandle it, or they actually despise it. Okay. But, but they shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness. Do you, do you have any reason? You guys, honestly, you guys, you guys been out into the high desert? Do you, do you realize why people don't like to live out there? 
Can we establish that fact? Thank God we live in Huntington Beach. Like, do you get what I'm saying? There's a reason why people don't go, woohoo, let's go build something in the desert. There's only one place I know that did that, and that was Sin City. But look at the, look at the substance of what's coming out of that place. Normal people don't go build stuff in the desert. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Normal people don't do that. It's kind of natural. It's like, hmm, let me see, oasis, dry sand. 80 to 120 degrees. Hmm. Oasis. Right? So so that's that's the picture there. Okay, now that we've established that, now we can move on to the good part. Say good part. Good part. Okay, awesome. Verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the woman who trusts in God. Blessed is the woman who trusts in God. You put your trust in God, the blessing engages. Whether you realize it right away or not, the blessing is now, the tap's been turned. It just shifted from a cursed desert. Oh, okay, now let's look at this. I like this. And whose hope is in the Lord. Can, can I say something there? Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in him. Hope still actually uh, signifies that maybe you're not completely out of the danger zone yet. But your trust is still engaged. Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. See, the thing is, is that a lot of Christians, a lot of us, we believe, because the Bible says that we're blessed, that our life is supposed to look like perfection. And we start making excuses for why things go wrong. You you hear Christians saying, oh, they're going through hard times. They must have been cursed by God. They're going through hard times. Oh, they must have done a terrible sin. God's taken his hand off that person. Like, that's actually crap. Because the Bible says, like I I quoted a little earlier, David said, even if I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. That stuff's not coming near me. I'm going to walk through it. Geographically, I'm going to be very close. Physically, I'm going to be unharmed. Does this make sense? We need to deconstruct that stuff because what happens is is we we associate discomfort with the curse. But God never did. That's man's idea, it's not God's. Jesus would have never gone to the cross then if that's the case. The cross, although it was painful, was actually a blessing. Not just to us, but to Jesus. Jesus has been promoted. Okay. So, point number one, if you're writing, writing notes. Blessed... Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in him. When you trust in God, you begin to get purpose in your personal life from God's vision. Because when you hope, you have to have seen something to hope in. So when you put your trust in God, you're looking at his agenda and not your problems or your plan You're now looking at God's agenda, and from God's agenda, we always know that God only has good things for us, or good things come from above, from the Father of Heavenly Lights, right? And so when we get a glimpse of that, even though the environment is hostile, we get a hope. And we get a vision that's not our own that we begin to press towards. Point number one, purpose from God's vision. Because uh, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is is the Lord. Hope is actually a picture of things coming, which from there you build faith. Okay? Verse 8. Now, do you want to talk about geographical goodness? Here we go. For he or she shall be like a tree planted by waters. Let me just rephrase that. For you shall be like a tree planted. Now, Did you notice that back up here under the curse in verse 6, we're talking about a shrub in the desert. A withered few little twigs that are dried up sitting on the side of the sandy vast sea of of dirt. Right? But down here, that's what the curse looks like. Down here, the blessing looks like. Oh, and by the way, if you ever go up into the desert and you look for some of them little shrubs that have dried up, you can pull them out of the ground with a finger and a thumb. You know why? Because it's like all the the roots are just, they're trying to grapple around bits of sand. There's no substance there. Okay? But now, under the blessing, 
you will be like a tree that is planted by waters. Okay, second point. God will put in you, when you trust God, God will give you foundation. Okay, crumbly sand or planted foundation under the blessing. Okay, and then once you're planted, you get to be planted not in a desert, you get to be planted by the waters, and these waters aren't just any waters, these waters are the river of life. You get to be planted in life, and not just life on planet Earth, the life of God. Okay. The very next statement, it says, which spreads out its roots, the the tree, this is you, you spread out your roots by the river. Now, now we're not just talking about foundation because there's certain trees where they just have a few little roots that are just kind of there and a strong breeze blows or or a wind or a hurricane, you'll see those trees fall over. But not you. You've been planted by the river and you're not stupid enough just to be planted a.k.a. the basic foundational elementary teachings, you've spread your roots out. Because you're not just satisfied with just a taste of the river, you want to spread to different facets of knowing who God is. Okay? So now you're not just planted, point number three, now you have stability. Stability. There's nothing worse than an unstable Christian. Because it's an oxymoron. It's a person that's up one minute, down the next. Up one minute, down the next. It's like, dude, is this the, is this the, the missing fruit of the Spirit that we all weren't taught about? <laughs> no. This is the fruit of some devil spirit. <laughs> okay, now, let's carry on. Uh, and will not fear when heat comes. Now, here, when the heat wave comes, the trees die. Now, in this here, you're talking about a generation of people that were like farmers and gardeners. They had orchards. They understood that when certain seasons came, severe heat actually would cause trees to die out. Okay? Look at the description here. Will not fear when heat comes. Who's ever used the statement or the term before that like, you know, it's like, oh man, I'm really feeling the heat right now. I'm really feeling that pressure. Just like there's all this heat on me right now. Okay, when the pressure comes on, you will, not be in found, you will not be found full of fear. You'll be planted and you'll be stable. So point number four, I think that was number four, whatever the next point was, that you will have security in who you are and who God is. The blessing brings security. You're not like celebrating in church on Sunday evening and then on Monday you're in a full-blown panic attack because you're afraid how it's all going to work out. You have security. And if you just say, well, that's just how I am, I've just got that's an issue in my life, let me just tell you this. The grace of God is going to give you the ability to not have to deal with panic attacks. I'm not trying to disrespect you if that's something you've struggled with. I'm just here to tell you that actually the blessing causes you to not have to live under that. So stop letting a doctor be your identity and actually start getting your identity from God and you can start letting go of, of panic attacks. Because here's the thing, you can defend your panic attack all you want, but I'm here to tell you that if you just let go of that thing, it's going to go. You can either believe God or believe man. See, see at the beginning here it says, blessed is the person that doesn't, sorry, cursed is the man that trusts man. So you either trust God or you trust man. Do you get what I'm saying? I understand that we all have very real struggles and there's different health, you know, uh, issues in the room. This is not to get at anyone. This is just to provoke you to let go of some of that stuff. This is just the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. Well, they told that to blind Bartimaeus too. They told that to the dude with the, with that, that was lame, that had a bed. Jesus like, hey, take up your bed and walk. You see, the thing is, the problem is, is that we actually need to stop putting our trust in men. I'm all for doctors. I'm all for being medically wise. But I'm a whole lot more for being spiritually wise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, so... So when the heat comes, you won't actually shift over into fear. Can I say this? Some of you have been trained by the devil when to sit and when to beg like a dog. Sit, 
Good boy. Big. Roll over. When certain atmospheric or environmental situations show up, we shift over into what we've been trained to do. Hello. I'm speaking to people of God right now. Okay. When, and will, you will not fear when the pressure comes or when heat comes. That means that you will not bow and you will not change your behavior when the pressure comes on that you feel familiar to everything you've known before. Amen. Come on, somebody. We're getting free tonight. Listen, you were just telling me a little earlier that tonight was your night for a breakthrough. You were looking at me saying, Andrew, tonight is my night for a breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. So when this is getting preached, it's your opportunity to reach up and grab it. Don't sit there and think, oh, he's victimizing me. He's, he's picking on me. Listen, I'm, I'm not picking on you. I'm picking on the devil that's trained you to be a victim. 100%. 100%. Don't take it so personally. I'm actually not talking to you. I'm talking to the devil. Okay, you just sit back and enjoy the ride. You say, I'm, I'm walking out of here so free. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> okay, but its leaf will be green. Come on, this is a good tree we're talking about here. When the heat comes, it will not freak out. The leaves are going to stay green. The leaves aren't going to dry up and turn brown. There's no autumn here, baby. There's no winter. We're staying green. Winter is coming. I don't even watch Game of Thrones, but I've seen that advert. It's like, dude, that's blowing, dude. Listen, there ain't no winter coming to my house. Look, I'm, I'm dealing with stuff right now, but guess what? There ain't no winter coming to my house. Come on, we all need to say that. No winter is coming to our house. It's like, look, I understand that circumstances happen. Good. Yeah, that's the value of the shadow of death. I'm blessed. I don't care if you've had the flipping, the, 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 the worst news that you could possibly ever hear in your life. You just need to look back at that thing and smile and get real happy. I'm blessed. You get what I'm saying? Stop like buying shares in fear. Oh, man, this is going to be a great stock market. I'm going to go buy some shares and fair. No way, dude. You need to let some of that stuff go. Okay, so its, it's leaf will be green. Now, those of you that understand like plants and forests and trees, there's two different kinds of trees. There's a tree that goes through seasons. It sheds, you know, its leaves turn all pretty. They're the ones you take the photos of in, in, in fall. Oh, look, there's pumpkins. And oh, look, the trees match. They're all yellow and orange it's, and red. It's beautiful. Okay, and then there's the trees that just stay green all year round. Those trees are called evergreen. I like those trees. Okay. Green also speaks of healing. Green also speaks of deliverance. Green also speaks of refreshing. Green also speaks of rest. Green also speaks of prosperity. Come on, guys. Do you really think that God's just put that color there on purpose? Or is it just some little mistake of like, oh, yeah, that's just like a poetic description? No, no, God's actually trying to tell us something. Leaves are symbolic of healing. Okay. Some of you need to get excited. And watch this. So its its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. Hallelujah. Oh, awesome. So the droughts kicked in. What? Look, 2008, we're coming up on a 10-year anniversary of probably the worst recession America's ever known except from the Great Depression, early 1900s. Okay, what if it happened again next year? Oh, you just come right back to church. We're going to be celebrating. You know why? Because that, that drought is not going to affect us. I'm telling you. That, that, look, that at some point, another recession is going to hit, and guess what? We're all going to get even more blessed. See, you have to, the, while you look at the world like some kind of moderating provider for your life, you will live under its laws. But the second you actually put your trust in God, you come up above gravity and walk on water. And those rules don't apply to you. That's why Isaac sowed and reaped a hundredfold in a year of famine. This is the same blessing we're talking about, the same B-L-E-S-S-E-D. Blessed. It's the same blessed that happened when God breathed on Adam and Adam opened his eyes. Be blessed. 
blessed. You imagine Adam's like, whoa, it's first day, man. It's full on. Did you get what I'm saying? Like, blessed is blessed, guys. There's no middle ground. You only can get what you believe for. Stop looking to the world like it's your provider. Mother Earth, dude, you can keep Mother Earth. I want Father God. This earth's going to burn. You should have read the book. I'm serious. Look, look after it. God, gave, God made Adam a, a, a caretaker. But look, that's, that's awesome. But he's Father God and this place isn't forever. Some of, we, some of us need to wake up here, okay? This kingdom is passing. There is another one that will not. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to keep preaching like this until someone just gets crazy breakthrough. And guess what? Someone in here is going to get crazy breakthrough and everyone's going to go, dude, the spirit of jealousy is provoking me. You get this too? No, that's actually called the spirit of wisdom. Okay, awesome. Listen, we want to have a place that's so crazy blessed that no one knows how to explain it. Okay, but for that, I need you to divorce the spirit of the world. It's actually a severance. You stop putting your trust in the system of the world and you start putting your trust in God. It's really simple. Okay, you guys, you guys are slowing me down. I'm not even out of my first scripture yet. It's, I don't know what you guys are doing to me tonight. Okay, so you will not be uh, will not be anxious in the year of drought of disaster, in the year of of drought. Look at this. This is the this is the bullet point. If you want to write it down, perfect peace in the face of disaster. Perfect peace in the face of disaster. You know, I've walked through some stuff in the last few years. I've watched Jeff walk through some real intense stuff in the last couple of years as well. I've walked, some, many of you walked through some stuff. Guess what? When that stuff happens, I have learned by the painful way that when disaster comes, I should not react. I just need to go sit in my living room and have a cup of coffee. And then I need to go outside and have a cup of cool iced tea. And then I need to go back inside and have a cold drink. And then I need to go outside and I just need to actually just wait. Because I'm getting ahead of God with my emotions. I just need to wait and I just need to just go back to my phone. You know one of the things I love to do? So I pull out my phone and I start playing all the prophetic words. I've got all kinds of prophetic words that go back as long as I've had an iPhone. And I start playing them. Like that's the truth. Yep, that's the truth. Yep, thank you, God, I believe you. Yes, God, it doesn't feel good right now, but yes, that's the truth. Do you get what I'm saying? Uh, And in the midst of that, something begins to shift in me where I stop putting my trust in what I've just found out. Because the devil loves shock and awe, guys. He wants to jump out of the side of the bush and he wants to get you. And he wants to get you to run and do something rash. That you just need to sit and wait. Those that put their trust in God. And not hasty people. Because the thing with God is that he doesn't always deliver when you expect him to. It's like, oh, God's the God of 11.59 and 59. Now listen, dude. I've said this before, but listen, lady. Just trying to be sensitive. God might be the God of 3 a.m. for you. <laughs> okay? You just need to keep your trust in God because if, it, if at 12.01 you immediately shift over and put your trust in man, your trust was never in God. And you just need to go read the book of Job for that. If your trust is truly in God, you're not going to have ultimatums with him because that means you've never truly died. And that means that you're still in control and you're put, you've got a conditional agreement with him. Okay. So you have perfect peace in the face of disaster. Okay. Last, last uh, passage in this, in this scripture. Nor will cease from yielding fruit. This is some good scripture tonight, guys. I'm getting fed. I've had a three-course meal up here. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm like full. I just need to go home and go to bed. Nor will cease from yielding fruit. Here, can, can I disbunk one of the worst Christian myths, actually demonic doctrines of demons that's entered the church? Well, that I'm just in one of those dry seasons. 
Some of you might be like, oh, ah, ah. Because that's been your mantra for the last 12 years. Um, just an extended dry season, God's trying to change me. Uh, uh, nor will cease yielding fruit. Where's your fruit? Where's your fruit? Come on, you say that you trust in God. Where's your fruit? I understand we all walk through stuff. Where's your fruit? Constantly fruitful, not circumstantial or seasonal. That's what. That's my little note that I wrote with that. Well, I just just feel like this. I, I just you know I don't want to. I don't want to be involved in anything right now. I shouldn't be fruitful. Uh, I just feel like God's not calling me to preach the gospel to anyone right now, Dan. I just, I, you know, I just don't feel like I want to do anything like that. It's just my, it's just my season to do nothing. I've done this before, okay? I'm not making anyone feel bad. I've done this before, but we need to debunk it. Because we actually, look, and, and honestly, guys, if some of you are like, man, why has my life been so dry? Is he trying to get at me? Listen. Understand, this is, a, this is a spiritual scientific formula, and if the pieces in here don't line up with your life, don't take it personal. The Bible's not wrong, you are. Yeah. And all you need to do, if look, look I, I don't even need to ask you. If I say, who wants the blessing of God? Every hand in this room's up, right? The problem is, is that we don't like hearing the news of the things we're doing wrong to stop it. And then we don't like the person that's saying it. Oh, he was picking on me. No, I'm not picking on you. I actually want you to get the blessing. That's why I'm talking about it. That's why I spent all day preparing this message. Because I want this room to be so abundant that fruit is spilling out the doors into the streets. That you've got so much money going through your hands that you have to find other things to put it in. Come on, guys. Till this church owns 10 to 20 houses around Huntington Beach and we take care of like... Single mums that have been beaten up and little kids that have... You get what I'm saying? Fruit. Fruit, not just words. Because we've got great plans, haven't we? But the problem is we put our trust in plans and not in God. And so we tell everyone our plans and we start our little non-profit and we start advertising on GoFundMe. But the problem is, is the blessing of God isn't there because you're trying to do it in your own strength. Okay, just... just I'm speaking to our generation. We need to hear this because we think we can reinvent the blessing, but we can't. Exactly, Molly. It's manufactured. That's why you see some people and it's like, man, they seem like they're doing really well. Then you get a little closer to them and it's like, this don't smell right to me. i got babies. They wear little diapers. I've learned to smell stuff, man. It's like one of them goes waddling past. It's like Molly's the same. She lives in her one of them goes waddling past and they're smiling. They're trying to pretend like nothing's wrong. It's like, I smell right through that smile, buddy. You are loaded. <laughs> it's the truth. See, we need to hear it like this because it actually just gets our guard down. Listen, be honest. There's areas of your life that you know the blessing's not flowing and you feel like you're living under a curse. Cool. Awesome. Now we've finally been honest and humbled ourselves. Let's shift over and start trusting God. Okay. Come with me, please, to Psalms 125, verse 1. 125, verse 1. This is good news tonight. I'm going to start reading because I, I I'm fighting the clock a little bit. Verse 1. Those that trust in the Lord are like... Mount Zion, the, the, the mountain of God, the city of God, which cannot be moved but abides forever. Okay, the next bullet point I've written there is that you become unshakable. I, I, I've met so many great Christians that literally, even in leadership teams, and man, they can preach the house down. And man, they're out on the street evangelizing. And they know scriptures. And then disaster comes. And their whole life falls apart. Do you know why? It's because their trust was never in God. It was their presentation of how they could show themselves to be a great Christian. I've seen it so many times. Right, Molly? We've watched this so many times. Jeff's seen, I, I know many, I'm not trying to say that certain people haven't seen this. I'm just trying to get, like, I've lived life with these guys now a little bit. 
I've watched people that look like, man, that person is just a powerhouse in God. And they're the person that everyone's like, whoa, when I grow up, I want to be like that. And then disaster comes, and it's like their whole house just falls down in front of you. But listen, if you put your trust in God, not in your bank account, not in your skills, not in all your, like, you know, jucking and jiving and, and not in your, not in your like, gift or your, your worship gift, whatever that looks like. If you put your trust in the Lord, you become like Mount Zion. It's a, it's an, this is a mathematical, spiritual equation. If I do this, God will make me unmovable. That doesn't mean that you won't feel it. That doesn't mean that you won't experience, oh man, I'm in the shadow of death right now, the valley of the shadow of death. But you actually won't be shaken. Because when disaster comes and calamity comes, it's not that you won't feel it. The Bible says that that stuff falls on the wicked and the righteous. Okay? This stuff happens, guys. The problem is, is that we have, like I said earlier, we have an equation that if this happens, it means somehow I've fallen out of favor with God. It's not true. Otherwise, Job would have been the worst Satanist you've ever met in your life. It's true. If, if that was, see, and we build like a spiritual explanation. Yes, if you do certain things, God does bless you. But that doesn't mean that you will never walk through hardship. Okay? Okay, so if you put your trust in the Lord, uh, you become, sorry, those that put their trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. It doesn't say it, sh- it won't be, uh, uh, have shakings. It just says it won't be moved. You've got to read it right. It doesn't mean that the devil's not going to come and try and shake every corner of your house. It just means you won't be moved. It doesn't mean that some of the stuff might shake off the walls in the process, but you know what? Having done all, you've got to still stand. Does this make sense? Okay, so that, that, that bullet point was that you'll become unshakable. Now, can I say this? This is a process. Some of us are growing. We're all growing. And so in certain areas, it might feel like you're weak and broken, that's fine. Just just get this and understand that this is where you're going. Okay, and you need to sow into this until your mind changes. Stop making excuses for how you've always been because no one wants to be the little shrub in the desert that's got no substance. Do you know what I use those little shrubs for? I use them for starting fires because that's all they're good for. They're dried up, they're tinder. Okay, but a good tree, you're going to make good fruit. And I want to sit under that tree and sit, watch the river go by and listen to it, drink fresh water and eat some fruit from that tree. It's real easy when you get around someone, it's like the fruit from their life, just even in conversation, will bless you. But if you get around a tree that, I'm not calling you a bad tree, Whitney, okay? I just want to preface everything I'm about to say right now. But if you get around something that actually is just this dried old shrub and you try and eat a stick, I'm going to guarantee you right now, you're going to cut the roof of your mouth. You're going to try and bite in that little stick and somebody's going to scratch your mouth. Okay? You only get messed up if you try and feed from that kind of person. Because they're try- they'll try and get their trust in you and try and take something from you that you were never supposed to give them because they're not trusting God. So that's why we always want to have people to rescue us. How come the pastor didn't do this for me? How come... It's like, just shut up and trust God. Honestly, honestly. It's not that we don't care. We do care, but we can't give you what you're asking. You can only get that from God. My job is a shepherd, not God. I can never do that. God can only do that for you. My job is to, to, to be a shepherd. Amen. Okay. The problem is, is that, well, he's not did it, or she's not did it. It's like, yeah, that, that's because that's not our job description. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You get what I'm saying? Okay. Psalms 25, please. Come with me to Psalms 25. I'm just going to start reading because I'm almost over time. But i got some more to give. Psalms 25, verse 1. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust, Nicole. This is awesome. Next bullet point. Trust in God is a decision. It's not a culture. Trust in God is a decision. You know, like I was just explaining to you, I found out some crazy news, and guess what? In the future of my life, I'm going to find out more crazy news. And in those moments, I have to look at God 
And it's like I'm looking at an army coming at me with aggression across the battlefield, and I just have to whisper to God, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. You're my God. I trust you. And I'm making a decision in that moment to put more trust and stock in who God is than the giant screaming at me from the other side of the field. Do you understand what I'm saying? Trust in God is a decision, and it's not a one-time decision. It's got to be an everyday decision. Okay, verse 2. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. I love that Jeff was singing about he, he prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemy. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Don't let my enemies triumph over me, God. Okay, protection. Trust begins to invoke God's protection. God can't protect a person who doesn't trust him but trusts themselves. When you trust yourself, you actually will not let God help you. you. It's not that God doesn't want to help you. It's that you've made yourself your own God. You have become your own source. And because of that, God is now paralyzed to help you. It's a scary thought because God can do anything except the stuff you don't give him permission for. Okay. So protection is the next one. Verse 3. Now, I love this one. Verse 3. No one, say this with me, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. So the next bullet point is, is that you will have no shame. This is awesome. Can I tell you that when you decide to trust God, something begins to happen where you cross a line and no matter what news you find out, you need to stop putting your trust in what has been told you and you need to stay in a place where you know that you will not be put to shame. Like, for instance, if you own a house and the bank comes to you and says they're going to take your house. Now, you have to trust God. And if you freak out and go into fear, you're probably going to lose your home. Okay? But if you trust God and then you do everything that you can do in the natural, guess what? God's going to make a way. Okay? People, good, good Christian people are like, why did this happen? Why did this thing fail? Well, I hate to tell you this, but actually, either A, you were being unwise, or B, you were probably in fear. I'm not talking about bad things happening to good people. I'm actually just talking about stuff like, for instance, like a house. Because I know that that's probably a can of worms and some people are like, but this and da 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 Let's just put that on hold for a second. I'm talking about the stuff where it's open and closed like, hey, if you get bad news from the bank or a mortgage or you've got a payment that's late, you need to put your trust in God. Because when you put your trust in God, it actually gives God the ability to rescue you and help you. Okay, when you remove that from him, shame will come. Shame comes because we try and fix it ourselves. And we're not good at fixing things. Actually, only God is. This is a valid point. We, th- we think somehow that we're actually good at what we do, but we're actually not. We're walking past God with a smile and our diapers filled. And God's like, whew. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. But, no sh- but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Okay, moving on. You just leave that right there. Isaiah chapter 40. Come with me to please Isaiah 40, verse 29. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay. I'm moving, I'm moving. Okay, I've only got two more scriptures and then we're going to wrap it up, okay? Someone getting something tonight? We need to put our trust in God and not in ourselves. You believe that you have what it takes because that's what the world tells you. The world is telling you that you're enough and you're not. The world is so deceived it's drunk in its own potion. It's drunk in its own Kool-Aid. Everyone's out in Texas at Wacko. Just looking to blow out. We are, we are just absolutely helpless on our own. The wisdom of man, the Bible says, is foolishness to God. So the second you pull God in to help you, even if you don't fully understand the outcome, you've just gone to the next level. 
You've just 100% gone to the next level. Because here's the thing. You've just pulled in a resource that's far beyond anything that you could possibly ever have tapped to come and fix your problem. Okay. Verse 40, verse 29, chapter 40, verse 29. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Does anyone here feel weak at times? I'll put my hand up. Does anyone feel powerless at times? I'll put my hand up. Because here's the thing. The second you don't think you're weak and the second you don't think you're powerless, you are. So this, this scripture applies to all of us, not just to people that look weak and look powerless. Okay? Even youths become weak and tired and young men will fall into exhaustion. Okay, what that's saying is even the people that should be strong aren't strong. Okay, verse 31. But those that trust in the Lord will find new strength. This is the New Living uh, uh, Testament, by the way, New Living Translation. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. How do you find new strength when you're already weak? You're getting the strength of another. Next bullet point is that when you trust God, you obtain strength that you didn't have. The second, the second line says, they will soar high on wings like eagles. When you soar high on wings like eagles, what actually God does is he takes you out of your circumstance and he actually flies you up into the atmosphere and he shows you the big picture. When you put your trust in God, now you don't just have your resources that are finite. You've tapped into God's resources that are infinite, right? And now you've actually come to a whole new way of seeing things. The reason that an eagle is so good at hunting, much better than a sparrow, is because an eagle soars really high and has pinpoint vision and can see the little field mice running around in the corn. You understand? And so the thing that you thought was a lion in the grass, actually when you get wings like eagles, you come up in trusting God and you begin to realize that it's not a lion in the grass, it's a field mouse. The next point is you get perspective when you trust God. While you don't trust God, you trust yourself and you actually shift over into intense fear. And that causes you to actually, fear is a very distorting picture. Actually, you guys ever watch any of the Batman movies back in the day? I forget the name of them, but there was that one guy, he was the doctor in the Arkham Mental Institution thing. He was the doctor that had, Scarecrow, had the bag over his head. And his, like, villain power was that he would bring out fear in people. And he would make people see distorted images. And that's how he would be villainous, you know. It's Batman, guys, I'm not being spiritual right now. Calm down, calm down. Some of you are like, is that a real thing? <laughs> it actually is in the spirit. Fear causes you to see things that aren't there. Okay? But when you tap into trust with God, you begin to see from his perspective that the thing that you thought was world-changing or world-ending is actually nothing. So it gives you perspective. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint. The next point is that when you trust God, you begin to have endurance. Because when you're running on your own steam, you begin to lose perspective. And when you lose perspective, you think you're in a never-ending story black hole where it's just you're lost into the nothingness. Whereas when you get perspective, you begin to start to understand that you're going to have endurance. Because when you trust God, you're actually hoping for something that's far greater than yourself and not limited inside of yourself. And so you begin to have endurance that God's with you. This is all going to be okay. Even if I don't understand how this is going to end, it's going to be okay. God's with me. I can keep walking. And it's like if you've ever been around anything where you've seen athletes where they check their heart rates, they have to bring their heart rates down because a lower heart rate, heart rate will actually be able to go a lot further, whereas when the heart rate is heightened, it has a limited uh, capacity. It might be able to be explosive, but for a much shorter time. Whereas if you're able to lower, keep your heart rate down, you can actually run the marathons. And so when you're in fear, you've got this fluttering, palpitating high heart rate, and it's going to at some point incapacitate you. But when you get this perspective from your trust in God, it actually allows this endurance where it's like, okay, it doesn't, it's not happening in the time frame that I wanted to, but guess what? I've got this peace over me now. I'm going to make it. 
Okay? Okay, last scripture. Thanks for being patient. Proverbs chapter 3. This is, what, this is one of the foundational scriptures of me trying to build my life because when we're young, we have all these dreams and aspirations and all these things that we think we're going to do and who are you going to be and what do you want to become when you grow up and all these different things. We have these amazing ideas of what life's supposed to look like. Verse 5, chapter 3 of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Not half of your heart, not one area of your heart, not one department of your life. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Watch this. And lean not on your own understanding. That right there is a game changer for all of us if we pay attention to what it is. Lean not on your own understanding. In other words, don't give it your interpretation. Don't give it your filter. Don't allow your prejudice to come in or your past experience. Just, God, whatever you want to do, I'm going to trust you. God, I don't understand what you just allowed to happen. That family member that just passed away, that thing that just happened, that person that just betrayed me, that thing that just took place in my life, I don't understand it. I want to interpret it, but I'm actually going to just trust you instead. And that actually causes great breakthrough to come because what we do is we get out of our map and we start reading God's map. And we start looking at what God's doing rather than what we think is happening. So when we don't lean on our own understanding, we actually get foolishness out the road and we allow a way for wisdom. And that can only come by seeing God's perfect plan. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't don't give God, you know, 25% and say, let's see how this works out for the next six months. You just need to go all in with God or it's not going to work, period. You could give God 99% and it won't work. You need to give God everything. Get that. You need to give God everything and let him have everything and trust him, even when it looks like it isn't making sense. Okay, so it's God's map. That was, the, that was that bullet point. Last verse, in all your ways acknowledge him. Okay, that doesn't mean that you only invite God to those big life decisions and all the other little ones. Well, you can figure those out on your own. Just invite God into all your ways. I heard a preacher recently, he was like, yeah, you know, this preacher started, like, mocking people that, like, would ask God, like, God, should I buy this car or that car? Or he'd just start mocking people that were, like, you know, trying to find out what God's will was for their lives on some of these, you know, lower-level things. That's actually mocking God's word. That dude's mocking God's word. That preacher is mocking God's word. That's why I always like to come back to the Scriptures, because I want to live by this, not by some preacher. If I ever preach something that doesn't line up with the word, come tell me quite serious this book is right not me and you shouldn't listen to anyone that doesn't preach according to this okay don't just blindly listen to podcasts and and youtube channels you need to make sure that what's being taught to you is actually the truth and if it's not you need to really pay attention because you're allowing that what, what jesus said he said beware of the yeast of the pharisees or the leaven that's another word for yeast because what it does is that tiny little bit of untruth comes into all the good stuff in you and it actually is going to work its way through and cause damage. That's how you make a loaf of bread. You get flour and the little bits and pieces and then you just add in a tiny little bit of yeast and that causes all of that lump to rise and change its form. Okay. So in all your ways, acknowledge him and God shall direct your paths. God, not us, God. We believe... Okay, pay attention to this. We believe. It's our job to believe, to acknowledge him, and then God produces. When we trust God, it looks like this. I'm going to trust you and believe in you. It's your job to produce the result. Amen. So, so with that, I'm just going to close there. But with that, I don't have a fraction of the time to cover the areas that I want to, and I do apologize for going over, but I hope we're getting something right now. Because we need to transform our thinking. But, but with that, guys, this is, there's things that are happening to you that you need to stop being so reactive to. Things happen and we're like, oh, I need a knee-jerk reaction to this. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, I need to go over there. And actually, you just need to stay real cool, calm, and collected and wait for God to do something for you. Don't, be, don't, be, uh, don't use this to actually be passive and do nothing because you actually should be diligent. The hand of the diligent will rule. But at the same time, don't shift over into your personal like psyche of this is how I'm going to react to this situation. You need to wait patiently for the Lord and let God show you. 
Otherwise, what's going to happen is, is you come in and out of trust. And what happens is, is that you're in trust for a minute, and then you go out of trust, and then you get yourself in a mess. And then instead of having trust for moving forward, you have trust for fixing up the mess. Your trust should be moving you forward into the next season and the next season and the next season rather than, God, pull me out of the pit. And then you fall in another pit because now you don't need God anymore. And then pull me out of a pit, God, and then you fall in another pit. You get what I mean? Trust should be propelling you into the next season and the blessing and the dream and the vision of God. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to close with that.